And now the good news. I'm Barbara Jean. I'm your host for tonight. And uh, I hope you're having a most wonderful summertime. It is hot and beautiful here in Toronto. Uh, I'm not sure how it is where you are, but I know summer is such a great time. Well, we're here to share the good news and have a happy Friday. So let's start off with news about sleep something we all need. So there's a groundbreaking trial of cannabinol product shows better than melatonin, better than melatonin for sleep. Now, this I got from the uh, Good News Network, and it actually was reprinted with permission from World at Large, which is an independent news outlet covering conflict, travel, science, conservation, health, and fitness. So that's where the original story came from. So conducted by two private companies beyond the scope of universities, hospitals, or government agencies, the first world trial of pure cannabinol, CBN, revealed a wealth of information on the benefits and limitations of this cannabis-derived sleep aid. And I know a lot of us have challenges with sleep. So having something that works uh, is a great thing. So they did a lot of testing. They tested a thousand participants across the U.S. in this formed study group. They received doses of melatonin, a placebo, or a CBN product called True CBN. And the results were really quite remarkable. The uh, effects of it showed that um, <clears throat> Dr. Susan Hewlings, PhD, Vice President of Research at Radical Science, highlighted the importance of the study's discovery by noting that the dosages of melatonin and the side effects with hormone whatever, there was quite a bit of difference. Cannabinol is just one of the several active compounds from the cannabis sativa plant that can really assist with health benefits. So the trial is one of the one-shot opportunities and the drug in question was for insomnia. And the exclusive criteria might be as high as a thousand to one. People with low income who drink coffee, who have depression or chronic pain, who may have had success with other insomnia drugs, all would be excluded to better the odds of the trial's success. But this study group, they really made sure that they included a broad range of people and the effects were absolutely wonderful. So if you've been struggling with your sleep and you're looking for something that might work a little bit better, cannabinol products could very well be your answer. All righty. So moving right along, keeping on the health issue, people with heart failure can step their way to significantly better health. So this is a study on walking. And, you know, we all know that walking's good for us, but it doesn't mean we're, we're actively doing it, right? So people with heart failure who increase their daily step count saw improvements in their health in just 12 weeks. And that's pretty good because 12 weeks is not all that long. And they even suggested that even increasing your steps by 500 a day has a really huge effect on your overall health. So I think getting out for a walk, especially in the summertime here, it's a beautiful time to be walking. This can maybe help 
to keep you strong, keep you healthy, and make sure that you don't end up with heart attack or stroke. So really important to really watch your steps. Um, when comparing the results of different step counts, people who walked a thousand steps per day had total symptom scores that were 3.11 points lower than people who walked 2000. So the more you walked, the better. Um, once you reach that 5,000 step count, that's when there's a real big improvement. So be sure to get out, do your steps, get some walking in, enjoy the sunshine, the fresh air, or even go out in the evening if the sun is too high for you during the day. Get those steps in and improve your health along the way. All righty. So Continuing with health, you know, there's so many things that we can do differently than what we're doing right now. And hospitals could be using honey and vinegar as antibiotic for low cost wound care. And, you know, for you at home, if you've injured yourself in some way and you're getting an infection in something, this could be the perfect homeopathic remedy for you. Uh, the UK is trialing and seeing major success with using a combination of medicinal grade honey and food grade vinegar to clean wounds rather than using antibiotics or antiseptics. So known as Oxymel, the mixture has been written about in medical literature going back as far as classical Rome and probably older civilizations as well. In our survey of pre-modern recipes, we noticed a pattern of combining honey and vinegar to wash or dress wounds and swellings. And this inspired us to focus on that combination in our analysis, says Dr. Erin Connolly. Today at Warwick University, Connolly and her team of researchers at the British National Health Service were looking to see if bacterial concentrations could be reduced when ensconced with the protections of a biofilm, a complex, slimy agglomeration of microbes. Biofilms can cover wounds thanks to a property that allows them to bind very closely to flesh. And inside, bacteria can escape traditional topical antibiotics. So by applying a variety of doses and mixtures, they found that a combination of low-dose acetic acid the active ingredient in vinegar, and medicinal honey dramatically reduced microbial count. These doses are lower than those that would be cared for traditionally by a nurse. So what they said, the medicinal honey that is most effective is called Manuka honey. And that one can be very, very helpful in clearing bacterial infection. So who needs antibiotics? We can go another way. I mean, how great is that? And still looking at health. We're just on the health road today. A molecule that kills most solid cancer tumor cells, leaving other cells unaffected shows promise after 20 years of hard work. So City of Hope today announced that the first patient to receive its novel promising cancer medicine, AOH 1996, is doing well. The phase one clinical trial testing the safety of a potentially cancer-stopping therapy in people with reoccurring solid tumors is expected to continue for the next two years. 
The pill has been effective in preclinical research treating cells derived from breast, prostate, brain, ovarian, cervical, skin, and lung cancers. Uh, Linda Malkus, PhD, pioneer of this particular medication at City of Hope Department at Molecular Diagnostics and Experimental Therapeutics, began her research 20 years ago, believing that proliferating cell nuclear antigen, PCNA, which plays an essential role in the replication and repair of cells, would be a less toxic cancer therapy that targets mutated cancer cells while leaving normal cells alone. Wow, that sounds awesome. The new treatment has been shown in preclinical research to target PCNA and inhibit the growth and spread of a broad range of human, can human cancer cells. This is really good news because so often, you know, you're diagnosed with cancer and the next thing you know, it's spread throughout the body. This may well be the answer to stopping that spread. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, phase one trial is open at City of Hope, Los Angeles. Its objective is to determine the maximum tolerated dosage of the investigational pill and to evaluate the medicine for preliminary efficacy. So eligible patients include adults with solid tumors who have not found standard treatments effective and participating patients will be asked to take the medication in pill form twice a day. So let's see what happens with this, but it looks like it could be good news on the road to curing certain cancers. Well, we are going to take a little commercial break here and thank our sponsors. And of course, I want to thank the Good News Network, which has provided some of these news stories that we're using tonight. So don't go away. The good news will be right back. New Thought Media Network is on the rise. We're looking to grow with you. Do you have technical media experience or perhaps a desire to learn? Are you willing to volunteer your precious time and attention? We share this message to benefit all. If you possess a computer with a camera and a microphone, we will share our knowledge with you. Behind the scenes or being the star, let us bless our one. Contact us at info at ntmedia.org. Watch me change when you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change.
Welcome back to the good news here on Friday, August the 4th. I am so excited. You know, I like to get out and go for a walk in nature. And sometimes we worry a little bit about the ticks that are out there that can uh, really cause us some grief. So there's a groundbreaking immunization against Lyme disease, and it takes aim at the microbiomes of ticks and mosquitoes. Mm. The glory days of some of the most debilitating pathogenic diseases may be numbered thanks to a new class of immunizations that change the gut microbiome of ticks and mosquitoes. Rather than targeting the pathogen that causes a disease, the vaccine targets the microbes that the pathogen requires to survive. And a new study investigating a vaccine that did just that demonstrated it was remarkably successful in mice. While human use for the vaccine typically takes eight to 10 years of tests and development, a similar vaccine could be prepared for animals such as dogs, cats, and livestock much sooner, which would have the potential to save pet owners hundreds of dollars in veterinary bills, uh, ranchers tens of thousands. And I have to say, as a pet owner, it could be thousands of dollars <laughs> in vet bills. Uh, Lyme disease needs little introduction. It's a debilitating condition that can leave a human or animal weak and bedridden for a decade. It has been previously discovered that the pathogens can alter a tick's gut microbiome. New study that by immunizing mice with a mice with a harmless E. coli bacteria as a Trojan horse, it elicited an immune response within the tick's gut that greatly reduced the amount of the bacteria that normally would cause this to be a problem. So early last year, scientists demonstrated that a vaccine targeting this injected into domestic canaries worked with similar effectiveness. Southern house mosquitoes, which fed on these birds, demonstrated a gut microbiome that provide, proved hostile to the malaria strain. So there's a lot of uses for this. This could be very good news. Probably a little bit more work has to be done on it before it can be tested on humans or used as a vaccine to make it easier for us to wander in the woods without worrying about the result of getting a tick bite or numerous mosquito bites. All right, well, let's move on to happy people stories. And this little boy asked strangers for yard work so he could save up to buy a new game console. And cops are called and they end up buying him a PS5. So it's not every day one reads that a young black man's day was made after the cops were called on him. The scene was set for the boy's day to be succinctly ruined. In the Georgian town of Hapeville, an unnamed fellow was going door to door asking if there were any yard work that needed to be done. His hope was to save up enough money mowing lawns and trimming hedges to be able to afford a PlayStation 5. One of the neighbors had other ideas, specifically picking up the phone and calling the police and asking for him to be removed from the area. Officer Colloran of the city of Hapeville Police Department was dispatched to the area where he quickly made contact with the boy. The young man was polite, respectful, and truthful, wrote the department. He was in the area because he wanted to do yard work, pulling weeds, cutting grass, trimming hedges to save up for a PlayStation. 
Officer Coloran, a gamer himself, was impressed with the young man and thought he would help him reach his goal. And I believe we have a little video clip, just a short one to show you. How beautiful is that, right? Instead of it being what we sometimes hear on the news when it comes to uh, police officers and, and uh, African-Americans, this is a beautiful story. And one that we need to remember that there are so many good people in the world and you know what, good things come. And that young man deserved that. So that's beautiful. I love that story. It makes me a little bit emotional. And here's another sweet, sweet story. Oh, my goodness. You know, there are so many good people in the world. We need to remember that moment by moment, day by day, rather than thinking we need to fear people. Let's just remember how beautiful most people really, truly are. So this Houston woman spent three days crawling in storm drains trying to rescue puppies. All of last weekend, Kaylee Clemens was crawling in and out of storm drains and manhole covers in the Houston heat, searching for abandoned puppies. Saying the area is infamous for puppy dumping. Oh my God. As she refers to it grimly, she says, won't rest until all three of the black lab terrier mutts are located. Clemens, who names whose name comes from her marriage with the son of Yankee pitching pitcher, pitching legend, <laughs> Roger Clemens, received a call from a concerned citizen Wednesday night after three stray puppies had fallen down a storm drain in the neighborhood of Spring Branch. By Friday, Clemens, a dedicated group of volunteers, and her own dog, Giselle, had found two of the abandoned puppies, and she was already going back down on Saturday night to find the last one. Clemens says in her seven years of rescuing animals, she's never lost one. Oh, that's so sweet. While well, she told Britain's Daily Mail that the city of Houston was supportive, unlocking drains and moving manhole covers, she told the New York Post that her work stems from a lack of action on the part of the city and county or the ASP, ASPCA, who are too swamped with phone calls to stay on site more than an hour. There's no way the puppy can get out by itself, so it's up to, up to us, and I have no shame to go down and get it, the five-foot-tall woman told the mail. While Houston Animal Control did little to help, the city was able to provide Clemens with blueprints of the Spring Branch sewers to help her map her way through the cockroaches and fetid water. Ugh. I am not stopping, said Callie. I mean, I already told my mom, I think I'm going to keep this dog if I find it. I'm so invested. Clemens, <laughs> oh man, emotional. Clemens additionally told the Post that she had been down in storm drains, crawling around for around eight hours into the small watches of the night. So this is somebody who's really dedicated, who really, really cares and who is really making a difference in our world. And, you know, you might say, well, it's just a little lost puppy. So that little lost puppy, it's everything. Well, 
you know, there's just more good stories. You know, we watch the news every day and it seems like bad news, bad news, bad news. And that's why you need to come here every Friday night to get a little bit of the good stuff. So this woman lost her father's ashes, but a stranger digs for four hours through trash to find them. Oh my goodness, talk about going above and beyond. When Emily Dickerson lost a ring carrying, containing a jewel made of her father's ashes, an unlikely set of hero, heroes emerged to return it to her. The 17-year-old was out in San Antonio performing with her school choir when at the end of the week, the organizers decided to take some 200 singers and band members to the beach at Corpus Christi. At the time, Dickerson was wearing four sentimental rings, the cremation ring, one from her boyfriend, and two from her family members. Not wanting to lose them in the water, she hid them in a place where no potential thief idling by would think to look, in the empty box from the sub Subway lunch Dickerson had just eaten. But in a case of out of sight, out of mind, during the hustle of departure, she forgot about the subway box and it ended up in a dumpster with 200 others just like it. I realized where I'd left them and I was in complete panic, Dickerson told local news. I called my mom and told her the situation. It was a mess. Dickerson's father died when she was just seven years old. She wears the ring continuously knowing that he's always there with her. Oh, and we have a picture of her and her dad when she's little. Dickerson's mom, Tina Koch, uh, contacted the Department of Parks and Rec, and it was by then eight o'clock on a Friday night, leaving a desperate voicemail. Koch hoped, without much hope, that something might be done. Enter Laura Perez, the parks operations supervisor who listened to the voicemail first thing on Monday morning. Perez, according to the Washington Post, makes every effort to track down lost items, but she knew chances were slim. All the beach trash cans would be collected and deposited into a 40-yard dumpster slated for pickup at 8 a.m., and it was already half past the hour. Nevertheless, she called the staff, cleaning up that section of the beach and was shocked to hear the dumpster was still there. Ha ha, the miracle. At which point she ordered horses to be held and rushed for a little Monday morning dumpster diving. Jesse Martinez and Robert Trevino joined Perez in combing through the trash left, baking over the weekend's nearly 100 degree heat. Youch! They searched for hours until they came upon a bag with the subway boxes and methodically began opening them one by one until at last a purple jewel shined in the morning light. It was the last bag we went through. I was so excited to let her know. As it happened, they only found the cremation ring first, but despite Coke's pleadings, they kept on searching another half hour until they turned up all three. Talk about going above and beyond. There are so many good people in this world who really want to be there for us and to help if there's any way they can. And I'll tell you, this is a prime example of going above and beyond. Well, and still on human interest, an armless seven-year-old boy gets to finally go fishing after a donation of a new hero arm. 
So a seven-year-old boy born without an arm has been able to hold a fishing rod with two hands for the first time. Alex Sparks spent birthdays wishing his arm would grow, but now he's happily casting along his dad, uh, um, casting alongside his dad using a new life-changing $16,000 prosthetic limb. The Black Panther-themed arm was a gift from Britain's kindest kindest plumber, James Anderson, a 55-year-old who was touched by Alex's tale. His mother, Dion, now 33, said she'd had a normal pregnancy, but Alex was born without a limb. It was heartbreaking, especially later when the boy went to school and young kids were afraid of him because of his missing arm. He's been on the list of UK patients due to receive a prosthetic from the National Health Service before the pandemic. But three years later, he was still waiting in Lancashire, England. After his parents attended an event by Open Bionics, which makes a robotic arm so advanced, it allows wearers to pick up a pin with its fingers. They launched a crowdfunding bid to raise the 12,700 pounds or $16,000 needed to purchase the arm, which they said would be life-changing for Alex. When plumber James saw the online appeal, he fell in love with Alex and offered to pay for the arm. Offered to pay for the arm. Like, how sweet is that? And look at this happy boy out fishing with his dad. You know, it's it's interesting the things we can do if we choose to. The You know, the lengths we can go to to make a difference in somebody's life. And I got to say to that wonderful plumber, you did a really, really good thing. And that will come back to you over and over again. You know, karma is a beautiful thing. Okay, well, here's a fun story about a woman bringing to life fashions, uh, fashion sketch sketches made by her grandmother, um, now these were had been on paper for 80 years and she just brought them to life. TikTok users turning into a viral video get to see a brief glimpse into the special relationship between a young woman and her grandmother, with the former teaching herself to sew in order to bring in life fashion sketches made by the latter over 60 years ago. Julia, a content creator with a passion for fashion, said she was so inspired by the sketches, she decided to start making some of them herself. She started by watching YouTube videos on various techniques of sewing and stitching and playing around with different items she would thrift until she had something like what she saw in the sketches. Her grandmother dropped out of fashion and design school in the 1940s to support her family financially and never return to the career she fancied. It's one thing to see it in a drawing, but it's when you're putting it together and I see it in real life, it kind of makes me want to cry a little bit. That's what her grandma said in a, a video. So Julia unveiled a black and blue Moulin Rouge ballet dress. Well, that was just one moment on TikTok. Julia has been doing this for years and imagined erroneously that people would get bored after the third or fourth dress. People have continued to enjoy the videos in large numbers. Now she talks to me more about fashion and her interests, more of, her, of an adult sort of friendship relationship that we now have. 
Isn't that beautiful? So grandma and granddaughter create this beautiful bond over something that both of them love that had started so many years ago. Wow, that is remarkable. Well, I want to thank you for being here tonight. We are coming to the end of our show. And I just want to remind you that the New Thought Media Network really is a place of inspiration, positive messaging, and a great place to just spend a little bit of time to improve your day, your overall mental health, your attitude, all of it just gets a little bit better by dropping in to ntmedia.org. And be sure to take time to like, to share, to subscribe. And by the way, you can make a donation. This is a charitable organization and you can donate to ntmedia.org and really help to keep the good news the prayers, the meditations, the many, many services that go on here. Keep it alive. Keep it well. Thank you so much for watching tonight. I'm Barbara Jean, and I will see you again next week on ntmedia.org. And that's the good news. Please help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors and donors, including the Hefferlin Foundation, Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center Kitchener, Ohm Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, Center for Spiritual Living Seattle, and all of our individual donors and sponsors. Thank you for being a part of the New Thought Media Network. Please come be you.